Hello. Oh, hello. Hello, hello. What's the ho, ho, ho? Is that, is it? Ho, ho, ho. It was not supposed to sound Santa Claus. Santa-y. It's Christmas in April. It did a little. (laughs) It is Christmas in April. Wow. Wow. We're a little bit early for July. Wow, David. Um, for those of you who don't know what reference I just made, you really should watch Shit's Creek. Mm-hmm. I was a holdout for a long time, mm-hmm. and then I watched it, and it is fantastic. Yeah, sometimes I'm just sitting there, and I think to myself, ew, David. <laughs> but uh... <laughs> Ew, David. Ew. <laughs> oh man what a good show and uh it really is it i really is. love i love Catherine harris uh uh weird pronunciation of literally every word <laughs> oh my god so it took me a while to appreciate the show i'll be honest with you because at first all of these characters got on my nerves mm-hmm. and then I let myself not only just start to enjoy the stories that were being told, but also to appreciate those quirks and the, I mean, Catherine O'Hara playing that character, like Moira Rose is an enigma (laughs) of, of just impressive wonderfulness. And like, it's, it's the consistency. It is, it is how that character has been developed and she sticks to the shtick like 100%. And that's why I can find delight in watching a video of just clips of Moira Rose saying baby instead of baby <laughs> and get so much of a kick out of it. It's uh, that that in the end, um, well, I shouldn't say in the end, but in the end of the like uh, episode binge watching I did it was Moira Rose who became my favorite character simply because it's just like, it's so fun to watch Catherine O'Hara play that role. And, oh, it's, it's fantastic. And, uh, it was Luke who got me into the show. And so I showed him some, um, some of the old mockumentaries that, uh, they have performed in Eugene and her. And that was really fun to, to Uh, like best in show with the Christopher Guest movie. Yes, yeah. And what we watched, the first one we watched was uh, Waiting for Guffman. Um, it's just one of my f- favorite because I don't know if have you seen that one? I, I haven't seen Waiting for Guffman. I've seen um, the uh, the one that's about Purim, um, the wind something. Oh, A Mighty Wind. A Mighty Wind. And mm-hmm. I've seen uh, uh, Best in <laughs> Thank Show. Thank God for the model train. Otherwise, they would have not had an idea for the big train. <laughs> That's so fun. Um, in Waiting for Guffman, Christopher Guest at one point throws this fit. And he, so he's playing this, like, uh, this, this theater person who works in a small town, but like wants to be a big, uh, Broadway director. And, he asks for like, I can't remember how much, I think like $100,000 or something for his budget and they won't give it to him. So he throws this fit. At one point he goes, you're bastard people. And I like to, 
to say your bastard people to people, whatever they're, you know, being annoying or something just, mm-hmm. just, uh, as a fun, fun little bit. But, um, bastard people is, is pretty great. Anywho, um, she, Catherine O'Hara. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Moira Rose. Wow. <laughs> a lunchtime chin wag <laughs> was, uh, something that she said and i shared that on tumblr and it's been like one of my most popular posts was just a quote of moira rose a lunchtime chin whack david um i mean i really love it, uh her her uh fruit wine uh thing. <laughs> yes! i think that was the episode that sold it to me because i think it's like episode six uh because at first like you i was a little put off by how unlikable all of the characters are and the pacing of the show is a little slow at first, uh, but then by the time you get to the the fruit wine episode, it's just like this is firing on all cylinders. Like Eugene Levy's great uh, as this guy who's trying to manage a situation that he has no real ability to do, and uh, Moira is trying to be a star in the way she can uh, with the dignity she can, but it's for fruit wine, <laughs> and so she just gets <laughs> wasted on it, and she's horrible at it. It's it's amazing. Um, yeah, and it took me a while to to like um, Alexis because on the face of it, she's playing this role of of like privileged California girls kind of uh, attitude. But there's so much more to that character, and yeah. it's and again, I think that she comes in second for me in terms of commitment to uh, playing playing that role through and through and really like all of her little hand movements and the faces that she makes. And it's watching that show. Like I said, it's not just watching the show and getting into the story for me. It's about watching these actors uh, just really drive it home on portraying these roles. And it makes me appreciate it all the more for that. Yeah. Mm, good show. Good show. I'm I'm sad that it's in its last season, but I'm I'm glad that it's going into its last season with them being able to be prepared for it being its last season and getting to sort of wrap up the story as opposed to it being like, "Oh, we're out of time. We got to throw in a last minute uh who knows what happens kind of episode." So, I'm I'm glad about that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to miss all of them. All right. Uh but Me too. Oh, and I, I'm still a little behind, so actually, I won't be missing them yet. <laughs> but um, yeah, I have not. I, I, the current season, I've only seen like the one that's on television right now. I've only seen the first episode of, so I, it'll be a while before I'm like fully. Yeah, I think uh, it's kind of, really going to be one of those series that uh, people are going to appreciate um, after it's done. Uh, kind of like yep. Arrested Development, um, which no one appreciated when it was airing on Fox, but then when uh, people got the DVDs and they like told their friends to get the DVDs. Um, then I feel it's the same sort of situation. Only this time you don't have to collect plastic discs. Um, Yay! but uh, <laughs> yeah. no plastic discs for you or for me. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's it's good. But we should probably pivot to an animal fact. Um, before we get into technology, and I know that you have, uh, I, p- I think, I believe a compendium of animal facts that you've been compiling. Um, from the the the, the many delays that we had. Uh, in the prior weeks, and I know that you're you're looking forward to sharing your animal facts with the world. Yeah, and here's the thing: um, that compendium is going to have to wait uh, because <laughs> I essentially i i do i share those with 
uh, with you. And that's kind of how I collect them. And I also send them to myself. Um, but I'm going to send Joe a link that we can include in the show notes because everyone needs to go read about how scientists are doing that thing like they do in Jurassic Park, uh, where they do something they really should not have done. Uh, they go read about pig brains. Oh, um, yeah. this, this made the rounds yesterday. Yeah, if you have not heard about the pig brains yet, then you should go read about pig brains. Uh, So there was a study that was published in Nature, and essentially after some brains that were removed from pigs had been dead for about four hours, they were able to restore function to those brains. Um, The idea, of course, is that uh, stroke victims and other for other reasons that... uh, we have issues where blood stops circulating and oxygen is not getting to our brains, then obviously it kills brain cells and repairing that damage is nigh impossible. Um, And so they want to look at how they can reverse what up to this point has been irreversible damage of brains. But in the meantime, they're making pig zombies and that's freaky. Um, So just go, go read about it. Uh, there's there's a lot to it, and there is obviously ultimately this is this is a good thing. I, I'm joking about it being a a bad thing, but um, you know, the longer that they can go, uh, and still be able to restore function in the brains, this is this is a big deal. Um, so there's a pop sci article that I am sending Joseph Rosenstiel and. You can check out more about that. And there will be more animal facts next time, because that's the most important thing in animal facts. I-M-H-O that's going on right now. Although I did uh, come across an article this morning that (laughs) said, oh, man, I've lost it. Oh, um, glowing millipede genitalia. (laughs) <laughs> give scientists a leg up in the lab and when the so legs almost, up <laughs> exactly it should be legs up um yeah that that is almost what i shared because and just put simply uh millipedes they're exoskeletons uh if you shine ultraviolet lights on them then their exoskeletons glow and it turns out so does their genitalia and so it helps scientists to be able to define uh, millipede species because they can look at the glowy bits, <laughs> the glowy reproductive bits, as it were, uh, which scientifically that's called GRB, glowy reproductive bits. Um, so if you ever hear a scientist talking about GRB, you know they're talking about phosphorescent penises. <laughs> so, Joe... <laughs> You ever folded a phone in half? Uh, no. Uh, but uh, you, you know what? I'm not gonna do. What's that? Fold a phone in half. <laughs> you know what I'm not gonna do? Fold a phone in half. No. That yes, oh. yes, that too. Good guess. But Wrong guess, but pe- right guess. Pe- peel off the protective coating. <laughs> 
or I guess I should go, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can't peel off the protective coating. Particularly, what I love about this... Um, <laughs> so, if you don't know, if you have not paid attention, uh, the Samsung Galaxy Fold has been ceded to several uh, journalists, and several journalists have... And, and journalist is... is you know, a choice of word to use there has been ceded to several people who talk about technology. Wow. Um, I, I like, I like, I like the subtle shade. <laughs> yeah, there's just, just a little bit. Um, there, yeah. So they've got these phones, uh, and they were unboxing the phones, and they were, you know, you 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 pull away the the plastic stuff that is on top of it the packaging and and you have your phone and folks were peeling off what ended up being a an actual like part of the phone a protective layer on the screen of the phone that was meant to be there and by removing it it ended up making the screen susceptible to damage uh just simply kind of by existing almost and then people's phones were shutting down and, and the screens weren't working properly, etc. Uh, but what I have found most interesting is that there seems to be a disagreement on the communication that Samsung has given to these uh, people who talk about tech in terms of, of what they should and shouldn't be doing. Because some... Uh, I saw photos where the... Uh, boxing or the packaging had a an alert of warning hey don't remove don't remove that protective coating because if you do you could damage the phone but then some folks are saying hey i got this phone i started running my fingernail up underneath the screen and peeling off this coating and now my screen doesn't work and it's just very interesting to to see like are people why do some you know, if I take these people at their word, why do some phones have this warning on them and some don't? But if I choose to sort of eat the popcorn and sip the tea and, I don't know, pull out my magnifying glass and zoom and enhance, <laughs> what I want to believe is that everybody got this warning on the, the packaging, but some people are ashamed to admit they didn't read it mm. and they decided to peel off that protective coating anyway. I don't know what's true, but what's more fun, folks? Definitely the oh, second yeah. one. Yeah, the second one's the best. Because uh, it, it, it's, uh, I would say, it was all dudes. Um, now, that might just be a virtue of the the way that this industry shakes out uh, yeah. of, of people who get review units for phones. But uh, it, it, was, it, was, it was pretty funny to see that uh, several dudes um, uh, may, might not have read instructions. If they Whoa. existed, <laughs> they didn't read instructions. Yeah, well, it's weird what happens when you don't read instructions. I, I like. Well, I also like the uh, the way that Samsung worded their reply in that they're they're going to um, make sure that they clearly communicate to customers that they can't do this. Uh, now, in the defense of these brozos who uh, picked up these phones <laughs> and peeled brozos. off peeled off part of the screen. It does really look like a protective coating that uh, you would remove from a display um, yes, that you receive. To be fair, it, it, it does. It is. It is strange that they designed it this way because uh, if it's supposed to be part of the screen, it should be sealed under some sort of bezel or other um, like 
there, there some some other sealant should be applied. Mm-hmm. The fact that it's sort of just adhered to the top of it with a, a raised edge that can be pulled as if it was a sticker um, is a horrible design idea because not you're not just going to get people who are going to ignore warnings and peel it off anyways. You're also going to get situations where it's just going to snag on things in life. Yep, um, and get dust underneath it, and it's not... Not good. No, it's it's like here. Here's your phone. It's covered in scotch tape on the front. Uh, it needs to Ew. stay there forever. <laughs> Don't touch the scotch tape. <laughs> what it feels like to me is it was a last. It's it's like um, when a company makes some sort of you know they they realize that the batch of Cheez-Its that they made have more. Um, I don't know, corn syrup in them than they originally thought. And so they have to stick a sticker on the nutrition facts label and it, it updates the amount of sugar in a thing. And this feels that same way where they had been going on, you know, making these devices. And for a while, they didn't think that they would need it for some reason or the testing didn't show it. And so at the last minute, they're like, okay, well, we need to add another protective layer over the top because Otherwise, yeah, you'd think that as they're making the display, then they would layer on this plastic coating. They'd make it so that it was cut perfectly around the outside, around the outside, around the outside. (laughs) And then they would put the rest of the phone around it. And yeah, it would go underneath the bezel. It would not be where on that that, uh, joint you can see the difference between the screen underneath and then the layer on top of it. It would just go all the way to the edge. It doesn't make sense to not have it go all the way to the edge. Right. And what you're also giving these customers uh, who paid $2,000 is is a a phone that looks like it has a screen protector on it that comes out of the factory like that. Um, that, that, That is the look of a $2,000 phone. Uh, which I think is insane on a number of levels because it's it, it's saying that this is the tastefully designed high end phone of your dreams, and it looks like uh, when your paranoid relatives uh, have put screen protectors on their phones because they're worried Yo, that their keys oh. are going to scratch it um, in their in their pocket or their purse. Uh, so that that's that's what it looks like, and it's a two thousand dollar phone. I, I just I don't understand. I don't understand the thinking. Um, and I noticed uh, that there were there seemed to be some review units that failed that didn't have the protective layer removed. Or, yes. Uh, and I feel like that is also a big story because uh, it's not just uh, the Brozos who peeled their phones. Um, it's and- so inconsistent that yeah, even the ones that are not. That that's it's huge in in my opinion because it shows like there's no uh, apparently there's no proper way to handle this phone it's going to break no matter what and it's that's not great yeah I I just can't imagine you have to be selling this with like uh, some sort of uh, some sort of warranty that's going to protect you uh, from the damage on this because. Uh, literally everyone is going to take these phones, these $2,000 phones out in, what is it, a month, month and a half or something before they ship? And uh, then they're just going to all be busted. Uh, it, it, will, it would be a huge loss for Samsung if if they were to to have the situation. Because 
you know what Samsung was just finished recovering from? Uh, phones that exploded. Um, and now these phones are not ones that explode, but they're ones <laughs> that instantly break <laughs> in 48 hours. So I, I just, I don't know, I don't know what they were thinking, but, uh, but their statement, their official statement is that they're just going to clearly communicate that the layer cannot be removed and that they're going to work with the reviewers who had their units fail, uh, for other reasons and, uh, try to, try try to solve that problem. And I just can't imagine, um, how it got to the point where these phones were in these reviewers' hands. Uh, like somebody must have just been like, "All right, well, we'll just ship it." And yeah, uh, that's yeah, that's what's that's mind-boggling to me because you have to believe that they tested these phones, and and I don't. I mean, and that was one of the things that uh, I remember people talking about was how they were saying, like, "Yes, we tested." These phones get tested more than normal phones do, and something about like two hundred thousand folds and this and that and the other, and it makes you suspicious about the lip service that's being given there, um, for sure. Where you're going? I mean, did you test these phones? Was that a thing that you did? What is the difference between a Samsung employee having one of these devices and a, um, uh, you know, a reviewer having one of these devices? Although I will say, too, one of the things that boggled the mind a little bit was how everybody was talking about poking at and scraping at and picking at that plastic coating. And those were like those verbs are just so, Hmm. oh, it's like, why are we poking and prodding and picking at this $2,000 review unit you've been given it? I get it on the, you know, at the end of the day, that's what people who buy stuff do but it was still just like yeah kind of kind of gave me the the heebie-jeebies a little bit it's like oh yeah i decided to poke at the display a little bit and i'm like you did why why'd you do that you wanted to you wanted to do what now well you're, scr- you're scratching at it why yeah but uh, i mean it's the thing that reviewers do like the the verge when uh the iphone switched materials was all like let's just drop it in a pocket with some keys and see how bad it gets um and <laughs> I, I, they did that to the review unit. I don't think the companies necessarily care. And in some cases, it uh, can prove a point about the durability of something because uh, part of a review um, that they have on such a short time span is the durability of something. And uh, when Samsung te- says that they're like testing the number of times it's folded, I'm sure there's literally a machine that is folding it perfectly in exactly the same way every yes. single time in a room. And that's how they come up with this incredibly high number that there's not a human being uh, that is fo- that has folded these phones that number of times in everyday life where it's coming in and out of a pocket um, in different conditions where there might be some uh, torsion torque whatever applied in different sides of the screen um, in different ways mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. there there are uh, different circumstances that seem to be in the real world from what they tested inside of their their lab um, now uh, I, I've seen I've seen a couple people say like oh you know this is embarrassing and Apple has these problems too blah 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 the keyboard and it's like no 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 this is this is not like the MacBook Pro keyboard because the MacBook Pro keyboard didn't instantly fail in everyone's hands um, the second it went out into the world it was like after a couple months of use and after a year uh, but the, the, this. And, and only in certain conditions and for some people. And this is a situation where, like, nearly every reviewer that I've seen has had uh, some sort of issue with their, their device. Um, 
not not just the the peeling, but uh, the what was it like the corner of the screen um, in the hinge was like coming out of one of them. Yeah, it was a bulge. Mm-hmm. Um, is how uh, it was described. Uh, that at first was not that big of a deal um, for Dieter, but then ended up causing the display to fail. Um, they're also yeah, bulge is not always that big of a deal. Correct. Uh, sometimes it's a small deal. Um, and it started out as a small deal, but it grew to be a big deal um, in this case. So that is uh, obviously an issue. And then there's also um, sometimes just like on the display itself, given that it's made of plastic, you get dents and nicks and things like that as mm-hmm. well. And that's just, it's $2,000. Yeah. I re- like, it's plastic. I realize that. But it's $2,000. I would rather spend $2,000 on so many other things than this janky phone that breaks after three days use. And it, I just, this is still just, it's too, in my opinion, it is too, um, early for them to be shipping this device mm-hmm. and i think the technology needed a lot more time oh yeah um but they really just wanted to get it out there feels like yeah you, you know you know uh the the old uh uh thing about how if you have any sort of forum or comment system uh there's always going to be somebody who wants to rush in and say first uh yeah and that's never going to be a very thoughtfully considered reply to something because the the incentive is to just be first. Uh, and I believe that this is a situation where the incentive was to be first um, because this is not well thought out or considered because uh, it has a lot of a lot of defects that even if the product is working as intended, um, even if you don't peel this film, even if you don't have a defective unit that has the bulge, et cetera, you're still, like you said, going to have, you're going to have dents um, in the screen. And it has just a general dimpling from the fact that it's plastic. It's never going to be a smooth surface. Uh, and I know that some people are willing to make that trade off because not everybody likes to have a phone that's made out of glass. Um, there, there are a lot of people who break their glass phones and then continue to use it. Uh, and uh, yeah, I wish my phone was made out of hard candy. <laughs> did, you, did you see uh, that Broad City episode where uh, 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 the phone was broken and it, like the whole front of it was shattered, and uh, uh, Alana was trying to use it and she lifted up her finger and it was just covered in blood. Just covered in blood. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Running my little brother. <laughs> I think that was the Instagram episode where they're they're like trying to like document their day, um, but oh. <laughs> uh, they kept having phone problems. But uh, yeah, that that was uh, that, that, that that's that's a kind of a real thing. Like everybody has like really busted phones um, in real life, and so I don't I don't know if people would actually be okay with the dimpling and the the little dots and dings in the surface as opposed to just a generally shattered phone um, or, or a cracked screen at the very least. Like my mom has uh, a Samsung Galaxy S whatever. Uh, I think it's two years old or year and a half or whatever. Like the, uh, it has like edges that roll off to the side. So I don't think it was the last year's one, but it's not the edge where uh, it like rolled rolled. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Yep. And uh, up in the corner where the, the, 
the camera is, the front-facing camera, uh, there's a tiny little hairline fracture that goes through the edge and through the camera. And she's like, oh, well, I dropped it, and uh, the Verizon insurance won't replace it anymore because I dropped so many phones. And I was like, okay, well, there are a lot of problems with the statement that you've given me, and also you should <laughs> not buy these phones anymore. But, um, y- y- you know, she's just okay using it uh, with this tiny little hairline fracture, and that would drive me up a wall. Like, I, right. I-, I, can't, I can't look at something like that. I'm with you mm-hmm. on that. I am not fond of uh, a crack display no. at all, in the slightest, whatsoever. Um, not not my jam. <laughs> yeah, but for those people, they're probably going to be okay with this dimpled or dinged screen. Um, and Probably won't even notice, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I think they'll probably notice a $2,000 price tag more than anything else. <laughs> yeah, I, although, who's the person that buys a $2,000 phone? Is it a person that thinks about... Dropping $2,000 on something? Uh, well, see, but that's the thing. It's like, I, I think uh, the category of people who are unbothered by broken things is because they don't want to spend the money to replace them. And oh, I feel like... Oh, gotcha. I feel yeah. like in the $2,000 range, you're, you're going to wind up with people who are going to care very much about the quality of the $2,000 that they have spent. Um, Unless they're like, I don't know, Russian oligarchs and they're just like, here's my stack of phones that I use one per hour or something. But um, that that would be a totally different thing. I have Galaxy phone folds in here. I get another one. No big deal. Uh, But uh, that's that's just I think that is probably like the big story. Also, I thought it was very funny. I listened to clockwise yesterday live with uh with you dan sturm uh lisa schmeiser and uh dan warren um and mm-hmm. the dans mm-hmm. yeah the both of the dans and they you guys were talking about uh the foldable phones and all this like hypothetical stuff and then like half an hour after the recording was over uh, all the the news about the the broken phones came out and i, I sent a message to dan warren i was just like you got to edit that part of the show out and he's like too late it's up that's funny because uh sturm uh Tweet or texted me and was like, we should have waited. <laughs> and I, yeah, immediately I was like, oh my God, I cannot, I could not believe it. Um, well, I mean, I could believe it, but it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, well, this is very funny. So it's, it's just how the world works. Um, but yeah. uh, four tech topics, 30 minutes. 30 minutes. You got 30 minutes. Yeah. Um, 30 minutes. And that's how long it takes for breaking news to happen. Mm. Literally breaking. Uh, <laughs> appropriate use of the tag. Uh, but uh, in addition to that, um, I know that there's uh, some other news you might not have been excited about. So I'm going to subject you to it. Um, okay. And, see, and I'm going to see what your endurance is. But uh, last week, uh, Disney had their investor day uh, call where they unveiled the details of Disney Plus and their plans. For I gotta go. Streaming. <laughs> um, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Go ahead. Uh, I'll, I'll just give a quick summary because their presentation was like I think three and a half hours long. Um, but they did Holy have an moly. intermission for a bathroom break in the middle, so it's not as bad as Endgame is gonna be for for people. I was, oh man, yes. Thank you. I'm yeah. glad. You, I mean, it's good you made the joke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I. Uh, there was a. Do you have that one written down? You were ready for that one? Oh no, I made that at the time because we we had a, a little bit of a live uh, chat in the uh, the incomparable uh, Slack, not the not the member Slack, but just in the the host Slack where we were just going to town on all the the little quirky details of this. <laughs> um, 
it was it was nice to talk about with like-minded people who also didn't care about the espn segment but um the <laughs> the 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 weird thing is that uh disney is going to uh keep investing in hulu um that that's going to basically be their home for uh what seems like more adult content which is something that jason snell had predicted back when um disney was purchasing uh fox and he was guessing at what they would do with hulu is that it, it seems like it's going to be the home of uh more adult things uh not all adult things but many adult things um and that it's still going to uh function in the way it does now where they have the tiered plans with the ad uh supported the ad free uh and the uh like the one that's basically like a cable bundle um, where you get cable channels uh, in your uh, over-the-top uh, OTT package. Um, and they're going to keep uh, keep doing that. Uh, there's also going to be a uh, an ESPN Plus service where you get your sports stuff, and they're going to start trying to put more sports things that people would like in it um, because that, was, that has been a criticism of it right now is that most of the sports stuff is on cable and that it's not in ESPN plus and that ESPN plus is very supplemental. Um, so they've got that. And then they've got Disney plus as another service and they're going to bundle these three th- services together, but they did not announce a price for the bundle yet. Um, now Disney plus they did announce a price for, uh, and it's going to be six ninety nine a month. Uh, so that works at $7 uh, if you're like a human. And then there's uh, a year deal where you can get it for 69.99 and uh that is going to be available in north america in uh november of this year and then it's going to start rolling out uh to europe and parts of asia uh they had, they had the weirdest rollout map where they're just like yes asia pacific it's going to roll out and it's like continuously from november until like two years from now and it's like well doesn't say anything about the segments or anything it's just like asia pacific all the whole thing but um the uh that's that's gonna give you this service where they have an app they're very proud of and we all laughed our butts off when we saw what the app looked like because it looks like the um uh apple's tv app interface uh like very literally uh and that, of course, was inspired by Fire TV, so it also looks very similar to that, uh, where you have a carousel at the top, and then you have rows with uh, tiles in them um, for different things. Now, the first mm-hmm. row down does have an innovation that only Disney could bring, and that is brand tiles, uh, where they have the five different brands that are going to be in Disney+. Plus. Uh, you got your, your Disney, you got your uh, Pixar, you got your uh, Star Wars and Marvel and uh, Nat Geo. Um, and th- oh, the, the, the innov- are, innovative. Yeah, they're the brand tiles. So you, when you're sitting down on your couch and you fire up your Disney Plus app and you think to yourself, I want to watch a Marvel, then you can go to the, <laughs> the Marvel brand tile and you'll be shown Marvel stuff. I, I, I find this, um, the brand tile thing to be hilarious because it is obviously uh, very, very protective of the fiefdoms that are organized within the company. Um, where it's like, here's this thing that this executive has control over, uh, and it doesn't it doesn't feel tied to the way that consumers would like to view things, because um, it's not about filtering or anything else in a in a sensible way. You're just like, show me a Star Wars, uh, which is <laughs> silly. But uh, 
then they have like rows of recommended stuff and whatever and they're going to bring the simpsons to it and they're like we're going to have 600 something episodes of whatever and it's like well most of that's the simpsons um but uh they're this is a uh, a package that is priced not competitively but priced to completely undercut everybody else um for the amount that is offered now there are cheaper yeah that was the one thing that that striked struck me was was the pricing yeah because like you compare this to netflix um and you're looking at like what is it 14.99 a month i think for the entry yeah. level um, although they keep changing that so who knows uh i feel like every every couple of months i get an email that like we're we're increasing our subscription thing from this much <laughs> to this much and, and it, amazon is like Every six months or so, yeah, it seems like. Well, but with Amazon, it feels more stable because you have uh, many other things that come with your Prime membership. True, yeah, uh, that keeps growing along with it, and yeah, Netflix is like, well, we have more content, mm-hmm. so more price. Yes, and it worked that they released Homecoming at the same time, so I was <laughs> like, yeah, that's fine. You do that. That's great. Cool. Yeah, but how are you going to feel about that? Uh, like in a couple of years exactly because uh, the the weird thing is that uh disney's losing money on on this um oh okay that's something they didn't cover in investor day but it came out afterwards uh when people were breaking down the numbers i mean they 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 had an executive up on stage who very loosely ran through all of the numbers and it's like well this much licensing blah 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 and but like it boils down to basically um they are losing out on money that they would have made had they licensed the the uh, video content to other companies that would that would show it because they're retaining oh. these rights to show this material just for themselves. They're not going to make uh, money like that, and their service is priced so low that they're not going to come close to making what they would have made had these movies gone on Netflix or other uh competing services or cable channels so it is interesting uh because they're more than willing to make that monetary sacrifice in the short term because i bet they're gonna increase the cost of this over time but uh it seems mainly geared at getting everybody in and used to disney so that they feel like they can't live without a disney service because if a disney service came out and it was priced at 16.99 or whatever then nobody would really feel as compelled to sign up for it to watch uh things because then it doesn't seem uh as as uh worth it because you haven't experienced the service you don't have any idea of really what's in it other than all disney content and all marvel content and i saw a lot of really poor knee-jerk reactions where people were like oh so 6.99 for a channel that's just for children it's like nope you don't understand what Disney owns, uh, if you think that. Yeah, they own they own so much. Yeah, they, what is that? Go ahead. Oh no, yeah, I mean they they, they own everything, um, and not just for children, but for adults who are interested in things. Uh, like there was this really silly part of the presentation where if you watched it, you'd kind of would have chuckled because there's a guy up on stage and he's like, "Here's uh, a quadrant map of the areas of the demographics that are covered by the different brands uh, that Disney has." Okay. Uh, I I mean, it was really just like a total eye roll, but uh, it's it's true um, in that they cover these quadrants. They they are a four quadrant uh, band uh, sorry, band four quadrant uh, uh, company 
as it were, because they have all the stuff. Now, people might not think that they have all the stuff covered because they just think of Disney and they think of children and they think of cartoons and they think of the Disney Channel, but um, they they have so much more uh, on hand than that. Uh, but uh, we'll see how that all goes. I'm I'm interested in what's going to happen, and I'm going to sign up at six ninety nine a month for access to everything that Disney basically has. So. Uh, that's that's going to happen in November. Yeah, but. I'm I'm certainly interested in in having. I mean, because again, it's it's not a bad price, and especially for what you're getting, um, I think it makes sense to do so. And two, one of the good things is typically these. You know, you're you not only get access immediately, but you get like continued access uh, to new content that's added all the time. And so in that aspect, it will be interesting to see, you know, what what continues to be put on the platform and uh, fun stuff that you get to that you get to watch. So, yeah, yeah. I think it's a all around. It's a good thing. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly very interesting watching like this um, Game of Thrones style competition between all of these large companies over who's going to get entertainment dollars uh that that that's the fun part for me there's a there's like a there's some sort of blog post there where you compare them to the different houses or something i don't know how any of it works because i've never watched the show but i bet there's something there i'm actually really behind on the show jason doesn't like uh, it he thinks it's too violent and gross and dumb um, and boring and uh, I can't I can't really debate <laughs> In the other him. words yeah I can't really debate him on that point so I, I just uh, yeah I just don't watch it anymore but uh, I think I left off at like halfway through season four maybe three something I don't know I don't even remember anymore it's been so long but uh, I don't have enough free time to, to watch it on my own time. I, I barely have enough for Discovery, and uh, that's going to be wrapping up soon. And I'm really interested to see how CVS is going to justify charging $11 for the ad-free tier of CBS All Access just to show Discovery again next year. Because I don't think the Picard show is going to come out uh, next year during the calendar year. Hmm. 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 Things that make you go. Hmm. Um, yeah. But... Uh, <laughs> You you have you got any uh, any any further tech topics? Um, you know that honestly, that was kind of the 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 bendy the bendy phone was the big thing. The bendy Irwin was the big thing. <laughs> um, yeah, I I don't really I don't really have anything else because the only other things I saw out there was like Google and Amazon no longer fighting with each other, which is nice. Uh, so now people can watch YouTube on their echo shows and whatnot. Oh, I missed that um, news. When did that happen? Uh, that was, uh, 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 where did it go? There it is in gadget. When's the date? Let's look at the time. That was two hours ago. Oh, well, that's why I missed it. Uh, I was asleep, yeah. but, um, the, that that that's interesting just because it's been pretty silly the way that they've tried to circumvent the, the system uh if you have a fire tv uh and i do um there is a youtube app but it launches the uh the browser version of youtube that's designed for tv viewing um which is 
mostly the same as the app interface, but it's just uniquely <laughs> strange because you literally see like Firefox starting up. Uh, your choices are Firefox or the Silk browser for running it, and it's just like this is so weird um, because uh, it's not it's not it's not an app because they can't really make an app because they were being blocked for so long. Um, but uh, it's interesting that they're no longer fighting. I wonder if they're going to start selling the the woefully out of date Chromecast in the store again. They may because mm-hmm. you right now it's YouTube is going to Amazon's different dealy bobs and Prime Video is working with Chromecast and Android TV. Um, let's see. For a while, Amazon declined to sell Google's Chromecast devices. Amazon didn't. Da, 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 da. Uh, oh wait, it says late last year Amazon started selling Google's Chromecast devices. So apparently they have been. Oh, I missed it. But then again, yeah. I haven't been in the market for Chromecast. So. Right, exactly. Yeah. Neither have I. Yeah. Um, okay, but I guess as it stands, the YouTube app is not going to be on Echo Show yet. It's only it says it's only um, to Amazon's Fire TV mm. that YouTube is is coming. Because uh, in the article they actually mention um, it would be nice if YouTube was available on the Echo Show too. But at least they're not sabotaging each other's streaming services. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see. <sighs> Won't we? Um, but uh, I guess we can wrap it up there. And uh, yeah. we can have a lovely week and two weeks and then reconvene again. And we'll talk about <laughs> uh, hopefully some updates to the bendy phones. Um, yes. Because I'm sure it's only going to get more interesting uh, or bad. And those <laughs> and or bad. Yeah. I mean, they might be the same thing. Um, <laughs> In this case, yes. <laughs> All right. Goodbye, Mike. All right, folks. Have a great weekend, week, week time, whenever you're <laughs> listening to this, because you never know. But by the time you listen to this, we may have changed the word week to something else. Who knows? So have a great time. Bye. <laughs> In the lee of a picturesque ridge lies a small, unpretentious winery, one that pampers its fruit like its own babies. Hi, I'm Moira Rose, and if you love fruit wine as much as I do, then you'll appreciate the craftsmanship and quality of a local vintner who brings the muskmelon goodness to his oak chardonnay and the dazzling peach crabat pull to his Riesling Rioja. Come taste the difference good fruit can make in your wine. You'll remember the experience, and you'll remember the name, Herb Erflinger. Bert Herngeif. Irv Hermlinger. Bing Livehanger. Livelink. Bert Herkern. <laughs> <laughs>